This episode of Shout Out Patriots shows that our team is more than just talking heads in front of a camera and a microphone. First, Shout Out Patriots co-host, Pastor Jason Bender, talks about his Rally for Righteousness event. Then, Ryan Morrow of the Afghan Liberty Project gives a heartbreaking update on his efforts to save Christians trying to survive Islamic extremism in Afghanistan. We're on the streets, in communities, and even taking our faith to far-distant countries. Patriots know the Bible is right. Rescue the weak and needy. Save them from the hand of the wicked. Psalms 82.4. Welcome to Shout Out Patriots. I'm uh, Alec Rooney. I'm the news editor here at Christian Action Network, and I'm sitting in the Marty chair today. And we've got Marty calling in from, uh, from his remote location, from his secret bunker. We've got some good people and good things to talk about, and I just want to thank everybody for being here to celebrate free speech with us. We've got uh, Pastor Jason Bender, one of our regulars over here, and we've got uh, Michael Moyer on the control board over there with his uh, expertise and his uh, good commentary. We've got a special guest, uh, Ryan Morrow, who is the... Um, who started the Afghan, uh, tell me what it is, Ryan, again, Afghan Freedom Project? It's the Afghan Liberty Project. Liberty Project, right. And, uh, and his assistant, um, Logan Keysweater. And we've got uh, calling in from Columbus, uh, Ohio, also another regular, David Carroll, the uh, attorney and legal mind and uh, CAN board member. So I think the first thing we want to do uh, tonight is go to uh, Jason Bender, Pastor Jason, because he had a big event that he put on in right here in Southwest Virginia this weekend in Lynchburg. And uh, tell us just, just real quick what that was, Jason. Yeah, well, first of all, Alec, you mentioned that Marty's in the bunker. We want to make sure he's not in the basement, is he? He's not with Joe Biden in the basement? <laughs> no, well, all, look, all jokes aside, we had a fantastic event. It was called Rally for Righteousness. We held it at Miller Park, and it was this past Saturday from 11 to 6. So it was an all-day event, and we had fantastic speakers, great, powerful music. We had some food trucks out there, and it was just uh, like-minded people in the community coming out. And what was great about it, Alec, let me, I'll just say this and I'll, I'll hand it back to you, was uh, there were numerous people in the pool there at Miller Park. So all those people who were there, in the whether swimming they, pool. yeah, in the swimming pool, okay, yeah, cool, cool. Uh, whether they were there attending or not, they could hear the gospel being proclaimed. They could hear the worship music, the praise, the prayers of our God. So it was just amazing. So even people who hadn't set out to be there that day. We're hearing what was going on. Yeah, and and I'll tell you this, you know, I was kind of a little bit, uh, you know, discouraged about the turnout that we had, but you know, God, He just works in ways that are, are just so much more grand than us. And He said, "Look, I'm gonna do you one better." And it doesn't matter the turnout here in this vicinity, but there's a greater turnout in the entire community there at the park that can hear the message being put out there. So, um, but it was a long, it was an all day event, right? So your crowd might've been sort of spread out over the hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Like I said, it started at 11. We were out there probably at eight something to set up and there were so many people there. So it wasn't just myself and then pastor Danny Shelton with branch Baptist. We had co-hosted it together and partnered and planned it together, but there were so many people who came out to assist us and it went all the way through six o'clock in the evening. Yes. And I understand there were some politicians there too. What, what kind of balance of uh, clergy to, to politicians did you have? 
I'd say as far as uh, politicians, the clergy, it was probably about half and half. So we, we probably had about four or so politicians and about four or so pastors and preachers who were out there. And then we had other speakers, other, uh, you know, community leaders there as well. And was the tone, would you say the tone of it was more like a revival or was, or was it more like a political rally? Well, here's what I love about it, Alec, because, you know, we got some backlash that, oh, man, what about all these these politicians out there? And, and are there right. any? I heard there was one journalist who actually asked you that and kind of tried to characterize it as some kind of right wing rally. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there were there were some questions being posed about that. And then they asked us if there were any Democrats out here as well. Oh, who right. Politicians. To provide balance. Right? Yeah. And, you know, what I would say to that is, is that what fellowship does light have with darkness? Right. So if somebody is in agreement with killing babel- babies, they're against the Bible. You know, they they support LGBTQ climate change, all, you know, all this garbage that's antithetical to what scripture says, I'm not going to have them speak at an event. But what I love about all the politicians that we had, I guarantee you, if we had them on this microphone right now, they would say that first and foremost, they are a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, they wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a politician. Okay. My, my heartbeat is I'm a, a man or a woman of God. So that's why we had them there. Because like we say, look at the title, Rally for Righteousness. The entire event was geared around righteousness. And what I had said later on, Alec, was that, it, you know, did we have politicians there? Certainly. But it was not a political rally. And there were local, um, like regional politicians, right? Amanda... Um, yes. Well, Senator Amanda Chase, Amanda you know, she's, Chase a, yeah, she's, she's a, a state senator and yeah. Congressman Bob Good. Okay. And then we had uh, a city councilman and a, a chairperson of uh, Lynchburg Republican City Committee. Okay. And I understand you got some flack about the racial makeup of the crowd. Yeah, we heard that as well. You know, I mean, one of our singers was was an African-American woman. How dare she? Pastor Danny, I know he had reached out to a a black pastor as well. I don't think he ever heard back. So, you know, I mean, my wife is Hispanic. I know we had another Mexican woman out there. Uh, You know, so, yeah, we're always going to get flack because of what we stand for. You know, and they tell you to stay out of politics. But as long as it's liberal politics, they want you to stay right in there. But once it gets to be conservative right wing politics, they don't want you to touch it. But the great thing was, and I'll tell you this, Alec, we had a black homeless man who was actually sitting in our pavilion that we were giving water and feeding pork sandwiches from our food truck, Cupid's Barbecue, which was phenomenal, by the way. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're there to to help every creed, every color, every right. religion, so every we're treating denomination. treating this guy like a, like a buddy, and then you've got a black performer, and then you've got some journalist asking you, where are all the blacks? Well, not to mention that you weren't exactly in the lightest part of town. Right, exactly. And mm-hmm. and that was the purpose of me having it, because I wanted to make sure that we were there in the heart of the city. You know, one of our speakers, I remember, I think it was Veronica Bratton, she had mentioned that she believes Lynchburg is the heartbeat of Virginia. So essentially, we were there in the heart of the heart of our state, you know, and I wanted to have it there because when I when when God first saved me and brought me to him, I was all about a homeless ministry. And I'm not just talking about here's a granola bar, here's a dollar bill. No, it's you're homeless. I don't care. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your name. I want you to know the God who loves you and who died for you. So we're there and and it was evangelistic as well in nature and in my calling. And I'm still an evangelist to this day. So we were out there sharing the gospel with whoever that we could, not discriminating, right. you know. And you but, do this every Sunday in Bedford. At the Patriot Church. Right. Also. Yeah. Yeah. We we welcome whoever comes to our doors. Right. But I will tell you this, you know, we, we love people enough to not 
have them be kept where they're at. You know, yeah. in today's society, it's we want to be inclusive. We want to just you know, love people where they are and yeah, love them where they are, but love them enough to tell them the truth that's going to offend them. So the Holy Spirit can convict their heart and get them away from their sin. Good. Um, how, how often will you do this? When are you going to do this again? A rally like You know what, Alec, we, we were saying prior to the event that we'd probably make this an annual event. And I believe that that's what we're going to do. Um, you know, we might have other events throughout the year. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but I believe this banner, this brand, Rally for Righteousness, will be an annual event. And I think we just started the first annual Rally for Righteousness here in Lynchburg. Okay. Actually, just just real quick, I had uh, you know, another local politician in Bedford call me the day after, and he was disappointed because he couldn't make it. He, had, he was busy on his farm, but he said, look, Jason, next time you have it, I have a venue in Bedford, and you're more than welcome to use it. So, oh, yeah, yeah cool. so, so the community came together, you know, and I said this right off the get-go. I said, it's not about just the people with the microphone in their face who are speaking or singing. This was about everybody, from the person who helped set up the stage, from the last person there, or, or even just the person who just sat there who wanted to have a good day, fun day in the park right. with their family. This was about, pool, right. right, this was about like-minded people coming together to serve the community and just call God's people back to righteousness. Yeah. Well, you guys, um, Jason had this event in Lynchburg over the weekend, and uh, if there are any questions about, like, the, the tone of the crowd or... or... What, one of the things I would like to ask uh, the pastor, was there a common message theme that was being uh, pumped out at your event was there a topic that uh, uh, stands out as while wow, this really resonated with the crowd and struck a, a home run with uh, people out there that had attended it um, or was it you know just such a mixture of messages that it's hard to identify uh, what the uh, main topic is. Yeah, it's a great question, Marty. I wouldn't say that I could identify, and, and you know how it is. When you host an event like that, I couldn't sit down and literally uh, just listen to every second of every speaker. Unfortunately, I wish I could. But I heard several themes throughout the event. Uh, you know, one was just drawing God's people, like I said, back to God, you know, back to his heart. You know, obviously we want to, a lot of us talk about revival, right? We want to see revival in the church. We want to see an awakening in this country. So a lot of it, especially from the pastors and even some of the, the political figures there, it was, you know, come back to God, go back to church, you know, get your family back in the word, get back to righteousness, get back to God's holiness. It was about discipleship. You know, some of them were, were really geared towards two way and guns, which is great. I know Senator Amanda Chase, her, that was her big theme. Second amendment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, but, but a lot of it was about getting back to God's people, getting back to the biblical standard of what God says. Um, I want to move on to, um, to Ryan Morrow, there's uh, we've got this evangelistic uh, uh, effort going on here in, in Lynchburg, but we also know people who are out doing it on the other side of the world. Um, why don't you tell us about your program a little bit, Ryan? Sure. So Logan and I run a group called the Afghan Liberty Project. And basically what we've been doing since the Taliban took over Afghanistan is trying to assist Afghans who served U.S. forces or our persecuted Christians, people who converted to Christianity from Islam, uh, helping them to survive. In the best case scenario, we try to help them evacuate and get out of the country if that's what they would like to do. Um, that's very difficult. 
um, but this includes uh, providing them with paperwork assistance to going through all the immigration processes to get them out of Afghanistan into whatever country will accept them. Uh, we run safe houses so we can hide people that are literally on the run uh, from the Taliban and from ISIS-K, uh, providing people with food, supplies, um, even doing some risky missions where we have folks on the ground who have actually gone and physically rescued people from the clutches of the Taliban. How long has this been going on? Since August, yeah. And, and so that's something that we partnered with uh, the Christian Action Network on. Uh, so I need to thank Martin uh, Moyer and uh, all the supporters of the Christian Action Network for helping us do this. Yeah, so one of the things that, uh, you know, Ryan didn't exactly uh, point out was that since the uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, a lot of the interests and money has dried up going into helping these Christians living in Afghanistan. And so it becomes more and more difficult to keep these people in safe houses and to provide the medical aid that they need and the food that they need. Uh, because, you know, I think it's difficult for people living in America to even visualize what it must be like living in a safe house in a foreign country from a group of people who want to kill you if they find you. And uh, the idea that someone in the, in the United States is helping them with that shelter and with that medical aid and with those food, uh, that's something that they have to be just internally grateful for when it comes to Christians in the United States of America. However, because of the battle uh, between Russia and Ukraine, that money has dried up. And that's not unusual in this type of business. I, I, I've been doing this for almost 50 years now. And it seems like uh, the American public wants to just jump from one crisis to the next and forget about the one that they were previously supporting because, well, here's a new one. Let's throw money at that. My guess is... Uh, there's probably been billions of dollars that have been thrown into Ukraine at this moment. And I'm not bashful to say that I don't know where those billions of dollars are actually going. What's happening with that money? Are we talking uh, about U.S. government money? Or are we talking about private donation money? I'm talking about private donation money because I see websites that are up there saying we've raised X number of millions of dollars or thousands of dollars. It doesn't say precisely where that money is going and how it's helping people in Ukraine, uh, who that money, you know, what hands it ends up to over there. But when we talk about what Ryan is doing, it's very clear how this money is helping people in Afghanistan. It is providing them safe houses. It's providing them hopefully a way to escape that country. It is providing medical relief. Uh, Ryan has told me some incredible stories, Logan as well, about how that money is being used to save lives over there. Some of it very risky strategy, uh, uh, just heart pounding stories about uh, how certain Christians have been saved and rescued out of the hands of the Taliban. And it just breaks my heart that 
you know, I, I'm just so torn on this. I understand that people in Ukraine need help, but I don't think it's right to just abandon the people in Afghanistan because, well, here's a new crisis that has developed. So let's just forget about those people and uh, let them fend for themselves. And especially since we've got billions of U.S. dollars going over there from our government, too. I got an email from one of our supporters who had previously uh, spoken to Ryan and Logan about some family members that she had living in Afghanistan and ways that Ryan and uh, Logan's uh, Afghan Liberty Project can help over there. And unfortunately, one of her family members, uh, friends that's over there, was captured by the Taliban, was beheaded by the Taliban. She sent us a video of that beheading. And look, you don't see this coming out of Ukraine. That is a political war over there between two countries. This is a war between Islam and Christianity, a radical Islam and Christianity. And I guess for me, my heart would lean much more toward uh, what God is telling me is to protect our Christian brothers and sisters when they are in need. And in this case, they are being hunted down for their not political beliefs, not because of what country they live in, but because of their Christian beliefs. So I just want to encourage people out there because a lot of us have done that in America, have forgotten about these Christians living in Afghanistan. And Ryan and Logan have been doing just yeoman's work here. Uh, they have spent all of their personal money to help these people. They're down to pennies right now. Christian Action Network is going to do what we can to keep helping fund uh, their project. But look, it's going to take more than just our organization and those two individuals trying to round up money for this. And people need to actually reach out either to Christian Action Network with donations or directly to Ryan uh, and his uh, Afghan Liberty Project to help with assistance to keep these people safe in their houses. And I believe David Carroll has a statement he would like to make. Well, not a statement. Actually, it's a question for Ryan. Ryan, why don't you share with us one of these success stories that Marty referred to so people can really understand what's going on and, and what success you're having. So uh, first of all, there's supposedly only about 12,000 Christians in Afghanistan. I think it's much more than that, just based on uh, the number of people who have contacted us and have shown us pictures of the churches they used to go to and, and people saying, hey, this person led me to Christ. Um, so there's a lot of people who need help in Afghanistan who are just Christian, not even including those who served U.S. forces and are now really paying the price because Biden abandoned them. Um, but one of the success stories, well, there's so many. Um, I, I would also add, I, I find this really fascinating, is how foreign it is for a lot of these Afghans to have a person on the other side of the world actually care enough about them to invest their time and their money to support them. And more than once, we've had Afghans say to us, like, well, why are you doing this? Why? Like, like they just can't wrap their minds around it. Um, and there are people who are becoming Christian or are interested in Christianity as a result um, because they say, well, what type of person does this type of loving activity with nothing in return? And that leads them to want to know more about Christianity, about America, about what creates that type of human. Um, one of the success stories would be that there was this Christian family who we needed to rescue. Uh, they were in one location, and unfortunately for them, the Taliban moved in above, below, to the left, and to the right of them. Um, and they actually had the flags outside. 
And so without giving too many details away on how we did this, uh, we did have a security team uh, go into the area, um, conduct surveillance, and prepare a plot uh, where the Taliban was distracted from the area, and then there was a safe getaway uh, that got them through the Taliban checkpoint and to safety. And this Christian family, which includes a, an underground preacher who has led a lot of people to Christ, uh, is still in our care. Um, but literally today, I had to have that horrible conversation with him about how we have literally no money. Uh, because he was saying, what am I going to do about the rent for the safe house next month? And what am I going to do about food? And I said, honestly, like, you're on your own because I've spent all my own personal money. We've spent the charity's money, and, and we are literally that broke. One other um, success story, I'll, I'll let Logan share it because he was closer to the situation. Uh, Logan, as an example, one of the miracles uh, that we've seen happen, can you tell the story of the two sisters? Yeah, absolutely. So this, uh, I, I want to give a shout out really fast to our rescue operations manager, Alana Rutter, because she was really the heart of, of this particular story. So our email inbox has been inundated with requests for help um, from Afghans, literally thousands. It's no exaggeration, thousands upon thousands. And Alana, she's one of the people that was checking the inbox, especially early on. And that we would, she would, we, she and our volunteers would just go through and try to find whatever emails seemed like people who really, really needed help, like the people that were in most danger. And there were a few, among many others, there were a few women in there that really stood out to her that were both Christians. Um, and what was really awesome is she she connected with them separately. We've got both of their both of them into our safe house network. Um, and as she continued to talk with both of them and get to know them, she noticed that were, there were some really striking similarities in their story. Um, one, one of the women said that she had a long lost sister who there was kind of a falling out in the family and she hadn't heard from that sister for over six years, didn't know if she was still alive, and then talked about how they worked in a, um, I, I guess I shouldn't say what kind of place they worked in, but they worked in a place together and that there was an explosion in that place and that also caused the death of um of the husband of this sister right so alana started to notice there were lots of similarities in their stories and even more similarities than that as she continued to get to know them both and the similarities became so striking that at one point she she had a hunch she's like what if these are the two sisters that have been separated for six years and haven't heard from each other haven't spoken to each other and as she continued to talk to them, it turns out that these two women, these two Christian women that reached out to us after they heard about our project, again, separated for six years, they were the sisters. They were long lost sisters, separated by six years, reunited in our safe house network. And Alana was able to put them in touch with one another and reconnect them. And they were able to begin having communications. Those two people we do have on potential flight routes to get out of the country. And when we get them out of Afghanistan, we're hoping that the family is able to literally reunite in their country of refuge. And so that's one thing where we talk about, um, where you talk about uh, some of the miracles here, you can really see God's hand in that. Because as Ryan said, what are the odds out of the thousands upon thousands of people that have reached out in our email inbox that Alana feels a draw to connect with these two people and that they end up being family members? That's an amazing story, Logan. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you, both of you guys, for the work that you're doing with your project here. Uh, let me just kind of pose this question to, to either one of you. 
one of the reasons why we wanted to hold this rally that we just had was because we see so much apathy and passivity here in the American church, you know, and, and I can only really speak for uh, the Lynchburg area directly. You know, you have some big churches who are quiet, you know, big schools who are quiet. And, you know, it's really time for God's people to awaken, right? The scripture says to awaken from your slumber, O sleeper. And, you know, we also need to just rise and, and not be silent anymore. One of the things that really excited me when this whole pandemic started was that persecution brings people to awakening, you know? Um, and, and I think that's why we see so many more believers not being silent a little bit more and, and you know, being more outspoken and whatnot. Um, can you guys just kind of show a little bit of a similarity on how, you know, because if you're over there, like you're saying in Afghanistan, they're being persecuted, they're being killed, they're being beheaded, uh, but they're not going in a cave and saying, I denounce Christianity. So how do you think that maybe the American church can learn from what's going on from our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan? And maybe how can the American church be a little bit more empowered by what we see by them? Well, I think just hearing the stories is a boost to anyone's faith, to know that in those moments when someone is facing not just being killed, it's not just like a bullet in the head, as bad as that is. You're talking about torture. You're talking about single women being taken as brides and being forced into marriage, little girls being forced into becoming child brides. You're talking about uh, the worst things imaginable. And that the fact that people will stand by their faith in those moments uh, tells you something about your own faith, that you have something very, very special, and that you've got to share that with people uh, because whatever that strength is, whatever's empowering that person, you want that to empower yourself and everyone else uh, that you know. Uh, so I find it very inspiring. And the church should also feel empowered to know that things don't have to be this way. Uh, most of the solutions that we put forth are very cheap. It, during the deadly winter of Afga in Afghanistan, where they estimated about a million children could have died, we could have saved a life for about $20, even less, uh, because you just have to get them the clothes that they need in order to survive the winter, because a lot of them are homeless and on the streets. So every single person that's listening to this right now has the ability for $20 or less, in some cases even like $5 uh, for like a pair of mittens, you can save a life. And you have to take that responsibility extremely seriously. And when you look at the type of numbers that are required to save these lives, and even on a broader level to beat the Taliban, uh, if you were to take it to a policy level, it's like pennies compared to what the US government spends on other things. And it's pennies compared to what the church spends on other things. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a bit damning of the American church, I must say. The fact that we've had such great difficulty in raising groups of $5 and $10 in order to save lives. Right. There's a consensus on that there, on that here, I think. Michael Moyer, you've got a question. Yeah. Well, when I think of this mission and I think of how difficult it could actually be, uh, I, I'm, I'm left also thinking about not just the end of the mission, but the beginning of the mission. Now, it sounds to me like it would be kind of dangerous for these people to even get in touch with you guys or not even easy for you to get in touch with them. How, how, how is it that you are able to get your name out there for these people to email you or, you know, how do you get in contact with these people 
uh, I did hear you say that you, you were doing that you got emails from these people, but how is that? Is that like word of mouth or? Some of that, um, definitely my phone number and Logan's phone number have gotten out there um, a bit uh, because people can't resist the temptation to share our personal numbers sometimes. But um, basically what ha first happened was because I have uh, somewhat of a fan base on Twitter among Afghans because I was tweeting a lot about the Afghan resistance to the Taliban, uh, when someone approached me and said, we need some help in collecting the data on Afghans that are severely at risk and need evacuation. This was in the beginning of when the Taliban was taking over. Uh, I was able to just, in a few tweets, say, look, if you're severely at risk, tell me your story and let's see what we can do for you. And within weeks, we had 5,000 emails uh, or emails from 5,000 different people uh, representing their families. So the numbers goes much higher uh, asking for help. And since then, the numbers have probably quadrupled. Uh, so we have a massive database of people who reach out. And even though it's Afghanistan and people think that these are all cave dwellers, uh, you have to remember that the Taliban has not in power, been in power for 20 years. So you have a population that has been, to a large degree, modernized, um, identify with American culture. It's very different from when uh, the days when the little girls would, would be raised in a society where they couldn't go to school. As horrible as that is, when you grow up with something, you're accustomed to things a little bit. Now what you have is a modernized young population that wants to go on and take on the world just like people in America do and having their future just ripped away from them saying, oh, okay, you went to school? Not anymore. Uh, and that's much more painful than when you grow up in a, in a horrible situation. How happy are the Taliban with you being there? Are they your buddies? <laughs> uh, I haven't heard from them. Actually, no, I have. I, I have uh, lost my temper a few times on Twitter and engaged in very immature Twitter battles. Uh, and I did have uh, one call me, uh, I can't say it, but has you, I have had some F-bombs dropped on me by Taliban people. Yeah, but uh, do you feel any um, any threat to your life or your or your limb while you're there? Listen, I've known Martin Moyer for a really long time, and when you do the type of stuff that uh, Martin engages in, you get used to that type of thing. So, no, I don't feel I don't feel any threat. <laughs> <laughs> Good, you're an example of courage. So we started this uh, episode with Pastor Bender's uh, rally for righteousness, and I was wondering if uh, the pastor could you know address this topic uh, because. I think a lot of people, when they hear a rally for righteousness, it means, well, this is a rally about do's and don'ts. You know, we got to get these people out here to realize you should not be doing this and you should not be doing that because if you do any of these things, you're not practicing righteousness. But I think in a biblical sense, the term righteousness is more than just the idea of not leading a sinful life. It is doing things like Ryan and Logan are doing. Those are acts of righteousness. And uh, I just want to, you know, am I correct on this, Pastor? Uh, or, you know, am I, you know, I got it all wrong in this scripture. But uh, I've always thought of righteousness as, you know, taking uh, what God would do and start implementing that. And because God is righteousness and it's not just a series of, okay, we can do these things and we shouldn't be doing those things. And like uh, we're checking off a, a box here on our lives of, of do's and don'ts. What do, what do you think, Pastor? Yeah, so let's let's start here. So God's people are those who are righteous, right? Scripture says in both the Old and New Testament, it says that the righteous or the just shall live by faith. So God's people, those that are now clothed with the righteousness of Christ, 
are to live by faith and not by sight. See, there's many people today that are walking by sight, right? The government tells us to shut down our churches. We walk by sight, not by faith. The government tells us to put a mask over our face. We walk by sight and not by faith. So God's people are the righteous. And now we're to live these upright, righteous lives. And we see many people throughout scripture, right? The scripture said that Job was, was an upright man. Noah was an upright man. So we, we have an example of what righteousness looks like. So when you talk about what uh, Ryan and Logan are doing, yes, I mean, certainly these are acts of righteousness and they don't do it so they can be self-righteous. Like they said, they're not here to be celebrities or they're not here to, to make this huge living. As a matter of fact, they're giving their personal savings and their, their own money to save lives of, of their brethren. And they're saying, look, I'm going to take the scripture at face value because the scripture tells me that I should put my brother and sister's needs over my own. So that's what they're doing. Instead of putting funds to, you know, get a, a fancy meal or maybe, you know, clothe their family even more, they're saying, I want to help save and fund uh, these people so they're protected. So when they do these acts, they're not probably not thinking so much about pornography. They're not thinking so much about sin. They're not thinking about, man, I'm going to go to the bar and hang out and get wasted. No, they're looking to save lives. So they're God's righteous. And now instead of acting self-righteously, they're acting in accordance to the scripture. And I think we here in, in this local Lynchburg area, we could learn a lot from what these men of Christ are doing over there in Afghanistan. Yeah. And I also want to add that, uh, you know, we have a our show is called Shout Out Patriots, and uh, I want people to understand that uh, the people that you are watching on this program, the people that we bring on, are not just about vocalizing patriotism as if we're going out and going to sing the Star Spangled Banner and uh, say the uh, uh, Pledge of Allegiance every day, and therefore we just showed how patriot we are. Uh, I, I wanted people in this episode who are tuning in to understand that we're more than just about being talking heads in front of a microphone, in front of a camera, and talking patriotism. There are people in our community, the ones that we bring on our show, and including ourselves, who are actually out there doing patriotic work. And I want people to understand, if you're tuning in, we want you to do patriotic work. We want you to do works of righteousness. It's it's not just sitting home and thinking the right things and saying the right things and reading the right things, watching the right things. It's actually about doing the right things. And doing the right things is standing up for our country and standing up for God's people. And uh, I want to emphasize again, because my heart really uh, just breaks here when I think about those Christians in Afghanistan uh, that could be hunted down any moment simply because of something they have on their cell phone that would be a Bible that could convict them in the Taliban and lead them off to an execution. We need to continue to stand behind these people. Uh, it, it, it's fine if you want to donate to Ukraine, but it's not fine if we forget these very people who are suffering under the blood of Christ for their faith and leaving them into the wolves of the Taliban to slaughter. So uh, I'm not trying to throw a guilt trip on here of anybody, but uh, sometimes we need to understand what this fight is really about. And the one that we're talking about in Afghanistan is real for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I would say to our listeners, if you're 
in our area here in Lynchburg and Bedford and Campbell and, you know, even other areas. But if you say, man, I, I really wish I could get involved. I wish I had something to do. I have free time. Email us. We, we, we have plenty that we're aware of where you could get involved, where you can be a patriot, where you can be a disciple of Jesus Christ, where you're denying yourself and putting others first and foremost in your right. life. We need to form some real interpersonal bonds here and stand together. Uh, let me say, if you want to email us, that's at shoutoutpatriots.com. That's shoutoutpatriots.com or .org, whichever one that you want to choose. All right, I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure, and we hope to see you next week on Shout Out Patriots. Please look for us. There's a lot of podcast apps out there that are no longer sending out notifications when we release a new episode. They're going to make you hunt us down and find us. So, you know, how about doing that? And, uh, uh, you know, drop us a line and then we can notify you directly when we release a new episode. Thanks for joining us and see you next week. Yeah.